Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the School of Humanity. We are Jason and Rachel Bowman. How's it going, Rachel? <laughs> it's going well. I didn't know if you were going to talk or if it was just <laughs> going to be me. But Anyway, we, we ended the last episode um, talking about how the fundamental hermeneutic or point of view that our particular ministry, which we call the School of Humanity, takes is founded in the basic principle that because God made us in his image and likeness and he is goodness itself, therefore we in our human nature are inherently good. And it is actually not human when we sin. Correct. I would say it's anti-human. Right. I don't do a lot of that, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, this is a difficult topic for you. Um, but for us sinners out there, no. <laughs> and so in light of that, um, we are called to greatness. We are called to be perfect as the Father is. And that's what sainthood is about, is about becoming the saints that Christ has called us to be. Now, in light of all of this theology that we're talking about, we just saw a pretty awesome movie. We did. It was called um, Silence. It, it was called Silence. Um, ironic that you're being silent as you say that. <laughs> um, so for you who have not seen it, this is the basic setting is uh, the 1600s. You have a couple of Jesuit priests who... Wait, wait, wait. What? Spoiler alert. You have to say that before we go on to talk about a movie that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. Okay, So if you're going to okay. go see Silence, <laughs> please turn off the podcast and come back later. Go see it really quick. It doesn't matter where you are. I'm not going to tell the, the climax of the movie. Well, I mean... It's just you the know, setting. You know, it's all about the aliens that come in the movie. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry. You're just weird. Anyway, just let them... I just, so... You know, spoiler alert. Okay. Yes, spoiler alert. Okay, so two Jesuit priests, they have been called, if you will, to go to Japan where Christians are under persecution uh, because their teacher, um, their mentor... Padre Ferreira has been captured and apparently apostatized and they want to go there to find him and help him. That was him. a spoiler. That wasn't in the previews. Blow it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Why are you continue. so worried about this? I'm just, you know, I know what it's like to want to see something and then... That is not the main, I mean... Okay, so priest, going to go look for priests. That's okay. a good setting. 1600s Japan. <laughs> I mean, can I talk? Or... Okay, sorry. You told me to be silent. <laughs> <laughs> no, so seriously, what um, what was your favorite part of the movie? <sighs> My favorite part of the movie. That's kind of a 
Let me start by saying that I was really impressed just by the opening credits, you know. Um, I think you have experience in movies just because as being a moviegoer, I mean, I'm no cinematographer, but I loved the way that they shot just that opening. The title sequence was so good, just that it was kind of like silent, but not like what a lot of people would consider silence. So they were like, you hear bugs chirping and the screen was all black. And you could hear bugs chirping and and just like ambient background noise. And then all of a sudden that was all cut out. Yeah, and there was utter silence. Utter silence and then the title. Yeah, that was actually really striking to me too. Yes, I, it I didn't, was. Uh, I didn't think Because I think we don't, we don't really even understand what silence is anyway. Whether we, we, we all the time need ambient noise. I mean, I know a lot of people that need ambient noise to just go to sleep at night. Right. So how often we take for granted utter silence. I found it kind of beautiful, though, just the sounds of nature, too. Like, that there is, I think that that is also, in a sense, like, a type of silence being outside and just hearing the crickets. And um, But then when it went to utter silence, you recognize, like, wow, how often do I really sit in... Which we don't. We don't really get to do that that often. Um I don't understand uh, why yeah, not. With our three children, <laughs> um, silence really isn't part of their. Silence is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> silence isn't really part of their lives. So, when was your first? You've been on a silent retreat, right? I have. It was short. It was like a, a car. It was right? a Carmelite retreat at at St. Leo's. Um, I just got to go um, Third Order Carmelite. Um, I just got up to it go. Completely... Yeah, I don't tell people that you were going on a Carmelite retreat. Yeah, either. yeah. So <laughs> I was invited to go to a third order Carmelite retreat at um, St. Leo's, and it was beautiful. Um, when you first got there, of course, we did like, um, I think it was evening prayer. And then you sort of entered into silence, and there was perpetual adoration going on in, in a common room. And then you had your ind- individual rooms you could go and read and study. Was it silence the whole weekend? Um, it was, except for the lecture, so it wasn't really a full-on silent retreat like I think you had, right? No. Mine wasn't full-on silent retreat. So just during the lectures, the person that was giving the lecture spoke? Right. Okay. So that was the only talking. That was it. There wasn't, like, discussion at meals or anything like that? No. Okay. That's I mean, awesome. some people did, of course, but I just... Were you in a uh, single room or were you... Single room. Yeah, which was awesome. I love the three minutes. Did we have children? Um, I feel like Gabriel. Okay. We had had Gabriel. Okay. But I mean, it was literally, I think, just one night. It was. It was just one night. So I think it was a weekend. Maybe that it just felt like an eternity because I had Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) But so. You value silence. I do value silence very much. Um, did you value silence? I mean, did you take that into consideration when you asked me to marry you, or were you? Uh, what's that? Uh, that was part of the um, for worse. You know, <laughs> you have the better, and then the for worse, and um, that is just mean. Um, I'm so kidding. I'm glad uh, that you have this recording to use in confession. Well, let me just say this: silence allows you to encounter Christ 
but in that encounter you receive love and that love is meant to be spread and is relational so right you know the silence is only fruitful if well let me just say that it is fruitful in in the context of our marriage in the context of laity and right in most vocations unless you're you know uh, a brother that belongs to an order that's particularly um um um, cloistered cloistered, exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so um but for us in the context of our marriage when i go into silence it is not as a means to escape it is a means to remind myself of who i am um, by letting myself be loved by god who loves me and so when i remember once again who i am then i'm able to be the spouse that god's called me to be for for you for you and to and to enter better into the relationship um, as spouse to you and father to our children so anytime that you start to act out or anything i can just be like go to your room go to your room (laughs) go to your silent room (laughs) and i will gladly go (laughs) no i think so we had gabriel too when i went on my first but it wasn't it was a beginner silent retreat um yeah yes i don't really know what that means sorry shout out to michelle ducker who i believe is um down at the university of miami now but she was organizing uh women's silent retreats with um ashley demeo who is now at uf and i don't think she's demeo anymore forgive me for not remembering your married name but um they together and and now they've been doing these beginning silent retreats um i've been trying to keep an eye out because i'd love i know some young adult women that would love to do that and uh so i went on it and i was pregnant with jeremiah i think i was very pregnant with jeremiah like seven eight months pregnant with jeremiah and um so the way that retreat went we came in on friday night and um there was mass and i think it went into silence friday night through maybe dinner or Saturday night or when did the silence really hit you I mean was it just kind of I like... feel like it was longer than that I feel like maybe it was until breakfast on Sunday morning it was I feel like it was a really long time <laughs> it was an eternity no um no I mean I think that at that point I thought Jason was really weird about silence i thought you were strange strange person. before you went on the retreat before i went on the retreat right. um, not now um so i think you're strange about other no things be now. be authentic what did you think about me in my silence i didn't understand it you know i didn't understand um i came from an evangelical background so uh there wasn't a lot of silence you right. know in our in our church services um and in my prayer life there was a lot of me talking to God or talking at God, um, but I didn't. I, there just wasn't a lot of silence for me, and um, and I talk a lot. So, just in general, there's <laughs> just not a lot of silence around Rachel Bullman. But um, but your conversation is always good. Thank you, honey. Yeah. So I go on this retreat, and I think it struck me almost immediately. I just remember, I wasn't 
scared. I think I thought that I was going to be scared to go into a whole weekend um, on a retreat. Now, I will say that I did make the mistake of going, not a mistake, ladies, in case you're listening, with two of my very good friends at the time. Um, and it was really funny because we all just love each other so much. So when we would see each other, we would right. automatically speak. Um, right, yeah. And so that might not be the best idea if you go on your first silent retreat to go with people that you love hanging out with and, <laughs> and talking to. And it was very simple things. Like I remember passing them in the bathroom and, and someone was like, are you going to blow dry your hair today? <laughs> you just blew it. <laughs> um, I also remember the awkward exchange that I had with a girl that tried to wake me up because it was supposed to be my, or she thought it was my holy hour um, um, in the middle of the night, but it wasn't my holy hour. So, so you via pushed flashlight, her. <laughs> yeah, I pushed her into the wall and just shook my head vigorously. Um, no, <laughs> so via flashlight and notepad, I had to write, like, it's not me, which is kind of a strange thing to reply with. Um, and I think through gestures and all of that, she finally understood, but um, it really helped me to to value silence. And I think coming out of that weekend more than anything really helped me to value what silence was. So what, what about, what do you think people discover if they are allowed to be silent? Yeah, I think that that, I mean, you said a minute ago that there is some fear involved. I think that's true for a lot of people. Um, that there's an awkwardness for people, especially who don't have, you know, uh, a consistent prayer life um, you find that when you when silence occurs it's almost like someone there's a panic you know it's like someone quickly fill this silence with music or something um, I don't want to you know speak you know as to why that is um, you know for everybody I know for in my own experience it's because you kind of have to see yourself face to face um, all of the distractions go and you become more aware of I think in a sense like the emptiness of what you have come to value and love um, if Christ is everything to you then silence is an opportunity it's beautiful it's exciting um, I can't wait um, just to be silent with the Lord especially in the in his presence in the Holy Eucharist um, and there doesn't even have to be real conversation in your mind. It's just a being with and abiding with him and allowing yourself to be um, loved by him. Because I, what I've come to, you know, discover in my prayer life is that it's more passive than active. Prayer is more of a receiving and a responding rather than a doing. And I think you get frustrated when you enter into silence and you try to do, you know, you try to uh, concoct some way to fill that silence, even if it's with pious things like the rosary um, or, you know, Divine Mercy Chaplet. Those things can be fruitful, but only if they lead into a silence, you know, an interior silence, a settling of your soul, which indicates that, you know, um, peace is sort of like this um, when your soul is like rightly ordered like things right. have become clear like who is first and 
And when God becomes first, then you realize that everything is an opportunity. You know, your everything changes. No, no matter what you do, the Lord is with you, so you're fulfilled. And so mm-hmm. now you're prepared to enter into whatever reality is given to you, you know, whether you're a married person or not, whether it's, you know, your job or, or whatever with this invigoration, um, to live out, um, this love that you've experienced and respond to it. Right. I I still, and I tell this story anytime that silence comes up when we're giving a talk or, um, anything like that. But the, the one thing that I always remember is when Jason and I were dating, um, I distinctly remember a swing. I don't know where we would have been on a swing. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I just remember sitting at night with him and, um, we were on a date and we were sitting on this swing and neither one of us had said anything for a while. And it just dawned on me, like neither one of us has spoken. None of us have... There's, and, and I'm not uncomfortable, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm able to just be with him. And I remember thinking, this is the real deal. Like in that moment, you know, this is, this is the man that I could love forever. And, uh, and I knew that because there were no longer, there was nothing else to say, you know, that there was nothing. He didn't have to impress me. I didn't have to impress him. I didn't need to tell him lively stories to capture his attention and he didn't need to keep mine because our hearts were together at that point. Um, and they were comfortable with each other, but not so comfortable that we didn't have to love each other anymore, but we were comforted in the fact that we wanted nothing more but to love each other. And that's such a thing that you strive for with your relationship with God. You know, everything, like Jason said a few minutes ago, everything, everything mirrors the Trinity. You know, everything mirrors this, this kenosis, this opportunity to pour yourself out for another person. Everything that you do, whether it be your relationships at work, your relationships at home, um, the television shows that you watch, the movies you see, the songs you listen to. Everything is reaching out for God, whether they know it or not, whether they wrote it that way, they intended it or they drew it that way. Everything is meant to reach towards him. And so whenever we had, I was reflecting on silence one day, that's, that's always the thought that comes to mind is that I was able to find comfort in silence with my spouse. And it should be the same thing that we strive for in our prayer life. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it enough where people could hear you? Because I don't think they're going to lose it. <laughs> It'll kind of lose of its effect. <laughs> right. <huh>? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, did, I didn't have that, you know, before. And so it helped me to really value silence a lot more. I remember I remember breaking the rules on the silent retreat and calling you and uh, just telling you that I was so sorry for all the times that I might have invaded your moments of silence because I didn't realize how valuable they were. But that, you know, after experiencing silence there, I was able to know, you know, I still remember, I mean, I had, I had a prayer life, you know, when I was in college and when I was Protestant, but my prayer life was also inundated with music and inundated with, with things that 
I think distracted me from ever actually hearing him and and the depth that I could have. Well, I think, not that I didn't hear him at all. Right. I mean, but. I think that your music. Well, first of all, you're very talented, by the way, and um, your music is always very heartfelt um, when you play the piano and sing, and it's the type of of songs that lead into this pregnant silence, you know, and so your music and and um the way you worship i think was very much authentic even when you were a protestant um and you never really were protestant you've always been catholic um <laughs> by the way um but and so um and and actually that's part of your gifts even in mass or when we do um upper room which is a holy hour we do in adoration where i play guitar and and we sing is that well there's so what so what you're saying is that most uh-huh. forms of worship meditation should lead hopefully to silence yeah because that truth that beauty needs to incarnate within you and that can only happen when you're silent um, and receiving um, so I mean, your heart is always long for, all of our hearts are long for that because we're created in his image. That's why we long for silence because in the end, we all long to have that unending, unfailing, unrelenting love that fulfills us. And when we seek it outside of ourselves in in God's creation, it just leaves us unfulfilled. And then we finally realize like, He's within us, and we're made in His image, and He's always there. Yeah, uh, one just, of, um, uh, like one of the young adults, us, yeah. I w- won't name names, of course, but one of our young adults um, was recently telling me that they had experienced, you know, an, a, a profound encounter with God. And they said that, you know, I they just kept going on and on about how much they, they loved God, you know. And I'm not talking about an encounter with God like, I woke up today and the sun was really beautiful. Which is great, but I mean, the encounter with God that just jars your whole life, the, the encounter with God that we continue to seek, that God leaves all of these little kind of like love notes, but all of these love notes eventually lead to this just dramatic encounter with him. Um, and so this young adult had had this dramatic encounter and said to me, I, I have trouble being in normal day-to-day life right now you know i don't i don't know what to say i don't yeah. i don't know how to act yeah. i just want to be loved and, and love him that's so true and that's that's what you're yeah, saying yeah everything you know? changes once you've had that that encounter by the way i don't know if you caught it but in that movie silence um kylo ren i don't know his real name but i just <laughs> refer to him as kylo ren because i'm a star wars geek and i love kylo ren but uh he said um, the priest was questioning whether they were being spoiler alert. No, it's not. Okay. Whether they were being authentic, like they were being authentic in their desire to go and to Japan. And um, he said, "Are you sure, basically, that you want to do this?" And he said, "You know, it's just like it was our first fervor." Mm. Uh, and I that I love that phrase. I mean, I'm going to use that uh, <laughs> from now on. Um, because you, the, you need to find out his real name if you're going to start quoting that. You need to. You can't like be leading a retreat somewhere. Then why can't the priest be Kylo Ren at the same time? <laughs> I mean, Jedi's are essentially priests. I don't okay. know. Okay, all right, continue. <laughs> all right, we're not going to go there. 
There are so, so many priests and <laughs> and Star Wars nerds right now that are nodding right now listening. That's right. They really are like priests. Anyway, go ahead. Why can't priests have uh, lightsabers? But anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we all go through that first fervor. And it's like all of a sudden your whole reality has changed. And um, you see god and everything but it's overwhelming and it's somewhat confusing um because you've lived your whole life you know apart from him well you have separated yourself from him he's always been there and then you recognize he's there and everything changes and now all of a sudden it's like how am i supposed to live in this world anymore you know um i just want to be you know in silence and prayer and 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 let him love me um so Wow. Okay. So I think that's a cliffhanger to end this week because that would be, that could be our opening question next week is once you've had this encounter with the love of God, how do you then take this encounter with the love of God, the reality that you are loved by God, that you are cherished by him and then live it out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. Tell everyone about it. And uh, we will speak with you next week. You're in our prayers. God, God bless. bless you all. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.